0: Yeah.
1: grace and peace of Christ be with you
0: you.
1: let's turn and greet one another we welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church especially those of you who are visiting with us today we're so glad that you're here with us there is a friendship pad on each one of the pews near the center aisle and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out let us know that you're here with us today whether you're a regular or whether you are visiting with us The announcements are inside of the bulletin. You'll see that at the 10 o'clock hour this morning is our annual congregational meeting. There will be worship and congregational meeting all as part of that. We hope that you'll grab a cup of coffee and drink it and then come back in for that meeting so you can be part of that too. And also that Jerry's Israel Trip Group is meeting after that service down in the lower level and the Centennial Committee is meeting up in Hills Hall. The Sacred Story prayer is beginning some new groups a week from this Wednesday. If you would like to be part of that and you have not yet told us that, you can sign up out on the patio. Seal Sharman will be circulating with a clipboard to sign people up. There will be a Wednesday morning group and a Wednesday evening group for learning Sacred Story prayer. Our third Friday group announces that their February gathering is going to be a Hollywood gala about uh, sort of around the Academy Awards, a red carpet night, and the music that night is going to be by the swing set of the Laguna Band. Uh, you can sign up for that on the patio, too. And we have a new women's Bible study that just began last Wednesday morning. Judy Bell started a new group doing a book called Seeds of The Seeds of Heaven, which is a study of Matthew. They are having a wonderful time, and this week you could still join if you would like to be part of that. Our women's retreat is taking sign-ups online and also at the cart on the patio. It is going to be a great retreat with Linda Roberts as our speaker this year. And we do still have centennial t-shirts out on the patio if you haven't gotten yours yet. Our homework club 325, that starts at 3 and goes till 5, started this last week. and was a great kickoff. And if you know children who might be interested in that, please do spread the word. There's room for more to be in it. And the Red Cross is really in an emergency state and lack of blood. They are at 50% of the amount of blood that they need. So this, uh, this Wednesday, our blood drive, if you can possibly give blood, they would really love to have you sign up for that. It's really at a critical need right now. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
2: Lord God, we come into this beautiful place on this beautiful morning, and we are reminded that you are the one in whom we live and move and have our being. We ask that you will bring us awake now to your presence. May you surround us with your holy love. May you fill us with the truth of your word. Anoint us with the Holy Spirit, we ask this morning, so that you may be pleased, Lord God, with who we are before you as we worship you and as we enjoy being together as the people of God in doing the business of your church. We ask in your name, amen. Please join me for a call to worship.
3: To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Make Make me to know know your ways, O Lord. Lord. Teach Teach me me your paths. Lead me in your your truth and teach me. For for you are the God of my salvation. salvation. For for you you I wait all day long. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. Let us stand in worship.
0: Sing together, all creatures, church. All creatures of our God. the Father, praise the Son, oh God, we lift up our souls as the psalmist says. Mm -hmm. And so we sing it together.
1: God, as He calls us to confession. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Hear my my cry, O God. God. Listen Listen to to my my prayer. prayer. From the end end of the earth earth, I call to you when my my heart heart is is faint. Lead Lead me me to the the rock rock that is is higher than I, for you are my my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. enemy. Let us pray. Jesus, who sat at the table with outcasts and sinners, we confess that too often our words and actions are not consistent with our beliefs. Often we ignore the needy, Show indifference to the lonely, and reject those who seem different from us. Lord, by your spirit of compassion, empower us to reach out in love and acceptance.
0: So we sing together. So we ask that you would search us, merciful and mighty God, in the silence, for it's your kindness and your mercy that leads us to repentance. Hear us now in the silence.
1: My friends, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are assured that there is no sin so terrible that God cannot forgive. No hurt so terrible that God cannot heal. God accepts, God forgives, and God sets free. Receive the forgiving love of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: Come on, that love the Lord. Enjoy the song and the surround.
2: To open your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28, your page 35. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching? With authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Lord, be with us in this hour. Protect us by your presence. Grant to us the illumination of your Holy Spirit. May we sense that you are with us in all of your holy authority and power this morning. This we ask in your name. Amen. This is really a beautiful space in which we worship God. It sits right here on the blue Pacific Ocean. This morning with the sun reflecting off the waters. We come into this house because we have been drawn to this place, even as Jesus was drawn to the synagogue in Capernaum. He was not there by accident. I'm sure he had been there on many Saturdays or Friday evenings on the Sabbath. And perhaps frequently he had been asked to read from the scrolls, from the scriptures, and to interpret those scriptures. But on this particular occasion, the people who had gathered in that house of God were very much aware of his presence, with the authority with which he spoke, And they were claimed by his message. Because it was different from the general run-of-the-mill scribe or, or rabbi who might be teaching. This was a community that would gather around their scrolls, their scriptures. And someone would read the scripture. And then the rabbi would give an interpretation of the history of interpretation and say, well, there was one rabbi who said this, and there was another rabbi who said this. There was one school of thought that interpreted this story in in one way, but there was another school of thought who who had another take on it. And then everyone in the congregation, sort of those who chose to, chimed in and gave their own opinions as to the meaning of a text. And sometimes the debate could get rigorous, And filled even with conflict as people shared what they thought they knew and what they did not know. But this occasion was different because Jesus stood in the pulpit of that little synagogue that morning and he spoke with authority. It was as if he had perfect eye contact with every member that was there. It was as if he spoke from the depths of his diaphragm and his chest. And when he spoke, he did not simply share opinions of what people thought about a text or what the history of tradition said, but he spoke from the depths of his being an authoritative word from God. And the people were smitten by this word because it came in the power of the Spirit from the depths of the personhood of Jesus. He was proclaiming the truth. Somewhere around 10 years ago, I was invited to be a part of a, about a five-year process of having conversations with the leadership of the American Jewish community, about uh, 10 to 15 of them, together with a group of 10 to 15 American Presbyterian pastors and theologians. We met together for the purpose of engaging in an interfaith dialogue. For the purpose of rewriting one of our denominations position paper on the relationship between Christians and Jews it was a very important process and the subject for our first discussion was this question what is truth not truth with a small t but truth with a capital T truth what is truth After some initial small group work and introductions and hoping that it would all go well, our Jewish brothers and sisters, in fact there were male and female who were there, rabbis most of them, very impressive group of people, they reported back into the whole group and said, you know, we simply cannot agree amongst ourselves about the question of what is truth. We have many different opinions and we represent the different denominations within the American Jewish community and we've learned to get along somehow by being tolerant and and being aware that there are many truths not too unlike what was going on in the synagogue in Capernaum but we're just not in agreement as to what the truth is. And I thought to myself and I almost said it but I didn't have the heart to do it you folks are the people of the book of the covenant of the truth of the revelation please do not tell me that you do not know what the truth is I was so glad that Joe Small who Headed up at that time, our theology and worship unit in Louisville, very gently, very kindly spoke on our behalf. And he said, we feel that we're called to preserve the truth, truth with a capital T. And for us, the truth is not some abstract notion, some philosophical definition of what may be true or what is ultimate reality. But the truth, we believe, is to be found in a person. It is to be found in Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. The truth is found in his authoritative word. The truth is found in his teaching and his preaching. The truth is found in his life, death, and resurrection, I thought to myself, silently how can this dialogue, this interfaith conversation go on? We are at a loggerhead. (laughs) What is the relationship between Christ and the other traditions of our world? What is truth? There was a sense in which at that morning at Sabbath day in Capernaum in that beautiful little place that sits on the north shore of the lake of Galilee there was a sense in which this question what is truth was what was up for grabs and as it turned out there was a turmoil in that congregation that morning there was a restlessness that began to set in someone began to talk to himself, perhaps someone known in the community, but someone who wanted to get the platform to speak, to to push back against Jesus' authoritative interpretation. And so he disturbed the whole meeting by crying out, I know who you are. You're Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? How would you like that to happen this Sunday morning in church as a part of of our worship? I know who you are. I know who you represent. Have you come to destroy us? And So everyone, you can see from the looks of the faces on the cover of the picture on the bulletin this morning, everyone was captured by the man who seemed to be out of control. We just as soon have conversations like that outside of the worship experience and maybe in a study a in a class somewhere, someplace where we can have some conversation, but to be so engaged between Jesus and this, this man who, soon, who seemed to be losing it. A number of years ago now, One of our members on an Easter Sunday visited another church in our community. I didn't know it. He went to hear the Easter sermon. As he listened to the pastor, he became restless and disturbed that he was not telling the truth about the resurrection of Jesus. And he was considering various possibilities. The preacher was. of of interpretation of Easter. Well, Easter is simply a resurrection of Easter faith. It's not connected with any particular kind of objective historical event. Did anything happen in the garden, in the tomb where Jesus was buried? Was the tomb empty? Was the resurrected body of Jesus present to the disciples? Is the truth exactly what the gospel narrative says that it was? And so my friend stood up and confronted the pastor while he was preaching his sermon on Easter Sunday, ruined Easter Sunday for that church. People became angry. The pastor was angry. Sunday afternoon he called me (laughs) and he ruined my Easter so, is that man a member of your congregation? I confess he was. But I didn't know he was there. He told me what had happened. I think he half thought I had sent him to spy out his orthodoxy, to correct him if possible. Every preacher lives in mortal fear of such a thing happening. I can remember Kathy here several months ago preaching away talking about an experience in Philadelphia at, the, at a prison and someone from up front here walked up and said I've been in prison I want to tell you what prison is like and he wanted to take over the sermon and I can remember the time when the man ran forward and knelt down and all of us were concerned we're, we're concerned about these things that could happen in a public assembly in a church a, People carry guns with them now. They pack heat, even in church. And if someone is mentally disturbed or deranged in some way, who knows what might happen? Since Mother Emanuel in Charleston, South Carolina, the white young man who walked into the African-American Bible study at midweek, sat down, went through the whole Bible study with the African-American pastor, pulled out a pistol and shot up the group and nine of them were killed and at his trial he said i can defend myself i'm an i can be my own lawyer i'm not crazy i know exactly what i wanted to do i wanted to start a race war who's really behind that sort of behavior What's going on in the life of a person who could do that kind of thing? And so in Capernaum, that morning, everyone was disturbed by the man who was freaking out. And Jesus looked at him with the same authority with which he had been teaching the Word of God and said to him, come out of him. And the man being convulsed, perhaps thrown to the floor, the Spirit came out of him the unclean spirit. We ask ourselves, what is that about? How does a pastor at the end or the beginning of the 21st century talk about such things as these? Is there such a thing as unclean spirit? Our demon, our devil, our Satan can... How could it be that a man could be in worship and and be possessed in this way? And for Mark and the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they're very clear about this dimension of reality. And Mark is wanting to say something to us very profound about the coming of Jesus to that synagogue. This is the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. This is the coming of Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God. Did you come to destroy us? Well, yes, to destroy you, to remove you, to push you back. This is a divine invasion into a world that C.S. Lewis said was enemy-occupied territory. And Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free, to allow the blind to see, to raise the dead. To restore people to what God intended it to be from the very beginning, to love them back to life. This is the truth incarnate in the authoritative word of Jesus. And it is that same Jesus who is with us this morning. And frankly, I do not know what to make of this text, it's a mystery. And I'm not interested in picking any battles with unclean spirits or devils or demons or Satan. But I remember what N.T. Wright said at our Presbyterian pastor's retreat a few years ago. He said, I wrote a book, I had a copy of the book, Evil and the Justice of God. He was writing about Satan and evil in our world. He said at the time when he was writing this book, all kinds of hell broke out in his congregation. There were troubles in his family. He and his wife Millie prayed about this. He was bishop of one of the major centers in England, the Church of England. So we came to the conviction that we were under a demonic attack. This is one of the smartest men in the world. His wife, he said, begged him to stop writing the book. What Jesus experienced after the, the launching of the kingdom of God in his words in Capernaum was that the resistance continued to grow to him. He met more and more people who were not just physically ill and not just psychologically disturbed, but people who, through whose voices he heard the voice of the evil one. He had met the evil one already in the desert in his time of temptation and had faced him down with the power and the authority of God's word. But more and more the resistance grew as he took on the world and invaded enemy-occupied territory as Lewis said Christianity agrees with dualism in some sense but it believes that it's not a battle or a warfare in our world between two independent powers rather he said this is a civil war and this is enemy-occupied territory And every time we come together in the church, we are a people who more than anything long to be touched by the authoritative word of God's truth revealed in Jesus that we might live our lives free of the dominion of evil. Deliver us from evil, Jesus taught us to pray. If you read the Gospels from this perspective you see how this began to work as Jesus moved from Galilee down into Judea to the very centers of power opening himself allowing himself to be vulnerable a humble servant of God who loved the world so much that he came to rescue us. And that rescue encountered the resistance of the evil one all the way to the cross, so that the principalities and powers and the rulers of this present age understood what the issues were, to save themselves and their own way of doing business. They put him to death. But God raised him from the dead on the third day. And death and resurrection, Jesus signifies the victory of Christ over the powers of evil. Satan was unmasked and driven out of our lives. And we ought not to be surprised by this phenomena in our lives. I thought about this, what I was going to talk about this morning, Friday evening, is our church was being honored by the Laguna Beach Chamber of Commerce. and We were honored by the Commerce with the Spirit of Laguna Award as The best of 2016. We got a, and I'm going to show it to you at the congregational meeting, we got a certificate from the county supervisor identifying us as one of the major contributing institutions in this city. It was an affirmation of all of us as the church. I thought, what do we represent in this community? I hope we represent Jesus Christ (laughs) the truth of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to make persons whole to bring the justice and righteousness and peace of the kingdom of God into a very troubled world and the trouble is not just out there, it's in here More than anything else, we need to be touched, and we are being touched by the power of Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Thanks be to God. Join with me in our affirmation of faith. In life and in death, we belong to God. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, we trust in the one triune God, the Holy One of Israel, whom alone we worship and serve. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children, healing the sick. And binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel. Unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain, and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised this Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering.
0: His grace that comes. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun for bed to shine.
3: pray. Almighty God, your will is revealed in hidden places. We're told to be ready for your son Jesus arrives at times we do not expect. So quiet our fears that we may walk with confidence as we live our lives for you and look to bless others. We are called as your church to clothe the needy, feed the hungry, and care for the outcast. So help us to raise the needs of others above those of our own to take advantage of all the opportunities that come to us each and every day, which you provide, to witness to the love and grace we have in Christ. We give you thanks for our church as we have our congregational meeting today, for all the ways that we are built up in our faith, provided with community and friendship, taught and empowered by your word, held accountable to your truth, offered ways to serve others, but most of all guided in the worship of your Son, our Lord. We pray for those in our church who are serving as missionaries around the world. Give them courage this day. Care for their families. Bless them with fruit in their ministry. Fill their cup. Provide for their needs and deepen them in their closeness with you. Lord, we ask now that you would accept this offering that we give you as a sign of our obedience and bless our effort as we seek to be faithful this year for the sake and glory of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father
0: Our closing hymn is a mighty fortress is our God.
2: forth with that assurance that we're not alone that Christ is within us and he is in the process of transforming us and making us well and that we will be with him throughout all eternity in the fullness of joy thanks be to God in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen.